Hello, everybody. Okay, so we have Sonia here with us. Sonia Green, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks. It's a pleasure to have you here. I really appreciate it. Um, no problem. So I just I got this bio here for you. I'm going to tell you folks a little bit about Sonia. Sonia, Sonia Green. She grew up. Uh, she's 40 years old, and she grew up in the suburbs of Richmond, Richmond, Virginia with an older brother and two parents until the age of 12. Her father suffered from horrible depression for four years before her parents divorced. She went to live with her father after he recovered. She got pregnant at the age of 20 and married the father. They have two kids. She was a stay-at-home mom and then went back to work in her husband's family business. That's when the pain started. Once she learned the biopsychosocial model of pain, she became a personal trainer to help others get out of pain. After the pain left, she fell into a depression coupled with anxiety. That's when she joined Ralph's book discussion group. She decided to compete in kettlebell sport and embrace life on her terms. Sonia, I'm really curious. Uh, in in your pre-interview form, you talked a lot about um, uh goodness goodness and people pleasing and i definitely mm -hmm. want to get into that that's something um that i i uh struggled with or i could say i'm a re i'm a recovering nice guy always working <laughs> right. at uh <laughs> at the addiction the brutal brutal addiction of uh nice guyism um mm -hmm. before we get into that can you just describe just a little bit about what you were diagnosed with and at what age did you start feeling pain? I was 35. I was originally diagnosed with a sciatic nerve irritation. If if anybody's ever had anything with their sciatic nerve, like, you can't even walk without it feeling like an electrical shock is going through your leg and then all the way up your spine into your brain. It It is utterly painful. Um, at one point, the only way I could get around was to hold an ice pack on the back of my leg to just be able to get off of the bed and go to the bathroom or get in the shower. Um, so that was my original diagnosis. And the reason at the time I was teaching group fitness classes and the only explanation they could come up with as to why I had that was because I was overtraining and teaching too much. Um, so that put a lot of fear of movement and exercise in me. Just that reason given to me right there was, um, enough to keep me from really pushing my body even after the pain, um, subsided. So, um, the horribleness of the pain only lasted about six weeks. And then it started to subside, but the symptoms just kept coming back. And anytime the symptoms came back, I would become very, very, very afraid and anxious that, oh, it's going to come back full force again. I'm not going to be able to do anything again. That pain was nothing I ever want to feel again. Um, so any hint of pain would just create this fear, anxiety loop in me and so I always had some kind of numbness or tingling or even pain sometimes in my left leg. Right, right. And then so at what point, um, 
That's really interesting. Why was it the fact that, because uh, you mentioned here that after the pain left, you fell into depression and noticed a lot of anxiety come up in your mm -hmm. life. Why do you think that is? If you could trace it back to, say, in the world of mind-body sort of uh, informed thinking, what so was that after, depression anxiety about? Well, I guess after a couple of years of the uh, physical symptoms, distracting me or bothering me and then when i learned that there's really nothing to those physical symptoms there's no reason to be afraid of them anymore uh, i lost the physical symptoms and then um somewhere in that time i'd learned about mind body stuff and the constant message to myself was well i keep having physical symptoms so what what is wrong with me emotionally that i need to fix i was constantly in the search for an answer of something that I needed to fix within myself. And I think that's why the depression, because I kept telling myself there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Oh, that's really interesting. And also the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Worrying there was something wrong with you. Why, how did you, how do you think you got out of the pain or the physical symptoms? Um, I had a physical therapist who didn't believe anymore that there was something physically wrong with me to keep having symptoms. And so he uh, sent me to a website with this guy named Greg Lehman. And Greg Lehman was initially a chiropractor, but what he was seeing in his practice was um, something different. Uh, he noticed kind of like um, if people know who Dr. Sarno is, he noticed that his patients that were in pain constantly were people who were afraid of movement, who had anxiety, who had a history of trauma in their lives. And so he started to look more into that. And he wrote a book that you can download. It's a free download. Uh, and it just talks about the nature of pain and what are the other factors other than physical things that can affect pain and so when i read that i was like oh my god there's nothing wrong with me physically and i immediately felt better but of course you know symptoms come back because you haven't figured out the whole picture yet but just remembering that when i read that workbook i immediately felt better physically um, was enough to get me more into looking more into mind body stuff what was it specifically you found in that book that really triggered or uh, hit home for you? Well, he was talking about, he gives an analogy of um, a bucket and your bucket is your capacity to uh, handle stress. And so stress isn't just physical stresses, but it's also emotional stresses in your life. Um, and how that affects you and sleep and nutrition and, you know, interpersonal relationships. Um, so when I looked at all the factors that could go into your bucket, um, I was like, oh, well, I have this issue and this is going on in my life. And it just made me reflect on what else was going on other than this physical pain um, that could be affecting me. What things did you change in your own life after reading that book, just from that book? Just from that book? Um, 
I don't think I really changed anything in my life just from reading that um, recovery strategies book. And that's why I think my symptoms kept coming back. And then the depression, the anxiety came uh, because I didn't, there was nothing that I changed. It was just, oh, well, I have some stress going on. So it makes sense of why I keep having symptoms. But, you know, it's been ample healing time, so I should be fine. Okay. So was it, was it specific? Where, how did you find Ralph? And um, why did you choose to work with him? Well, I found Ralph. So I, you mentioned the depression, anxiety. I remember sitting on the beach, uh, totally depressed. I was on Prozac in my favorite place, which is the beach. My kids were playing in the water. It was a beautiful day. And instead of really enjoying that moment, how beautiful it was and um, how much I enjoyed being there, this thought came to my mind of if I died right now, I'd be fine with that. Like dying was an escape. It was the only way I could think of escaping this mental torment that I was in. And in that same moment, I was like, it scared me. I was like, well, if you died, you're not going to see your kids grow up. You're not going to see what they turn into. Um, and we finished our time on the beach, went upstairs. And I don't know about you, but a warm shower is where I can do the most thinking, you know? Um, and I was standing in the shower and I was like, it's not pills that's going to get me out of this. It's not my physical therapist that's going to get me out of this and it's not my therapist that's going to get me out of this this is something i have to figure out on my own and i'm done being sick and i'm done being depressed and when we came back from the beach i got online i started um listening to uh, several podcasts and somewhere in there ralph's name came up so i looked up his website and he had the Ralph Fitness Club going. And at the time it was a free service that he was providing and he was doing book discussion group and he was reading several books. And the first one was Healing Back Pain, which I had read before and it made sense to me. And there was another one, I can't remember which one that he read that I had also read before. Um, and it wasn't really the content of the books. It was more his discussion of the content and what he's seen in his practice and the mistakes that people make. Like he talks about the fake healing journey where you say affirmations and you meditate, hoping your pain goes away. And like, I was doing all those things because I didn't know where to go or how to start or what to do to help myself. I just knew I was going to try everything out there and see what worked. And there were, at some point in all the discussions, he said, you know, it's not really about anything that you do. It's just acknowledging that certain things in your life are not the way you want them to be. Can you change them? If the answer is yes, then you have the power to change them. And there's nothing wrong with you as a person. It's just the adaptations that you brought upon you created in yourself so that you could survive whatever situation you were in, you know, either growing up or 
later on in adult life, you know, maybe you were in a relationship that wasn't that great. And so you were just trying to survive that situation. So I let go of thinking there was anything wrong with me. I started to um, look at relationships in my life where there needed to be boundaries, where I was saying yes, when I really didn't want to say yes to things. Um, and that's really how things started to change for me. Mm. Can you, if you're comfortable, you can make things up if you want to <laughs> make it less personal if you like, but talk a little bit about, uh, you know, saying yes all the time and what it was like before. And if you can recall the transition and what it was like to practice saying no and doing what mattered to you, listening to your own intuition. Um, I'll give you an example. My my dad is a churchgoer, and I am too, to a certain extent, not like he is. Um, and there was a time when I was searching for answers that I was going to church Wednesday night, Friday night, Sunday morning. I was reading my Bible every day. Like I was being the devoted Christian because that's what was going to fix me. Um, and after listening to these discussions, I, there was at one time Ralph was talking about growing up and, um, I think his, one of his parents was a very devoted Christian. And he said, and I had to take a step back to see if that was something that I really believed in. So I thought, well, maybe all of this dedication to Bible reading and praying and everything, there's nothing wrong with that, but maybe my intention behind it was not um, what it really needed to be, which is, you know, just to have a faith and something that gives you hope. I was looking for it to fix me, what I thought was wrong with me. So I took a step back from it. Um, my dad constantly would invite me to church and I would just say, you know, dad, I'm busy Monday through Saturday working and Sunday, I don't want to have to get up and go anywhere. It's important to me that I can get up and do nothing. And at first he was like, okay, but then the next Saturday evening would come around. Are you coming to church? No. And then he told me one day after I said, had said no several times, he said, um, I'm really worried about you. I said, why are you worried about me? Well, you're not going to church anymore. I said, well, that's, that's my choice. Well, I really think you're going down the wrong path. Well, what path is that? The path to destruction. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's not for you to decide. One, you're judging me. Two, and if I don't want to go to church, that's within my right to say, no, I don't want to go. And you need to respect that. And at first, setting that boundary and, and saying, hey, dad stop gave me a little anxiety and it made me i felt i felt bad for him feeling bad it was like like i was taking ownership of him feeling bad and what i realized is that i'm not responsible for other people's feelings other people's feelings are their feelings and i respect that but it's not my responsibility to keep you dad from feeling bad or sad or angry or 
that's I can't take on that responsibility. Was there a fear before, like while you were saying no and, you know, say, stating that you'd rather just stay home, was there fear, was there uh, an uncomfortable feeling that came when you were saying no at the start? Yes. Uh, initially, when I first started laying down boundaries, um, it would take me like maybe a couple of times of my boundaries being violated before I would say anything. And that was just out of the fear of how they might react. Um, but I had to step through that fear. And I also knew that if I didn't step through that fear, I was forever, um, for the rest of my life, you know, not doomed, but like bound to these mind body issues because they weren't going to go away unless I took some form of power back in my own life and took care of what I needed. Mm -hmm. And then would you say that you've gotten better at listening to that inner, inner guide? Those are my own words, inner yeah. guide that, that knowing, like, is that coming up in places where you say, you know, you would have not noticed in the past, but now you're more in tune to it. Would you say that's accurate? Yes. Mm -hmm. mm. How has your life changed uh, because of that? I'm, I started to pursue things that were of my interest, like the kettlebell sport training, um, like changing jobs and going for a personal training career. Um, those were things that I wanted that I didn't see a problem with pursuing. And they were uh, goals that I had uh, set out to do in my life. So I'd say that's a big change is um, before I would, at the time I was married, I would let my husband kind of dictate where we were going with things or what kind of job I could have or um, anything like that. And then I realized that, no, I, yes, we could be partners, but no, I don't have to live life the way you see it. And um, just for listeners and myself, because this is something that I have struggled with in the past. Um, what is it like on the other side? Like, what did you realize? Um, did your... Did your husband accept eventually your, your changing your? No. Okay. Okay. No. And okay. that's, okay. that's why, uh, the marriage was part of the reason why the marriage dissolved. Um, okay. I didn't know every, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did, was that in? We would, I apologize. Was that in, not in there? I don't think it was, but now we know. Now we know. Okay. Now we know. Yes. So in, in setting boundaries with, I mean, I just talked about my dad, but in setting boundaries with the people in my life, the relationships, um, every time I would set a boundary with him, it, it would end up in an argument. And the thing he kept saying in the argument was, you're not the person I married. And I kept saying, you're right. I'm not, I'm no longer going to just go along to get along. So that you're happy and then I'm not. Um, 
I'm not the same person you married. You're right about that. You should get to know the new me. <laughs> right. People change. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful and heroic. Like it, Thank you. It's funny because uh, from the outside, um, I think it may not seem heroic uh, because it's just like, oh, I just started, you know, doing what I wanted to do. But coming from, I have been there. I have been there and I know how hard it is because we may have not even realized that what by not saying no and doing what we actually like, we may not have even understood that what we wanted to do was valid or even knew what we wanted to do. It was so exactly. buried, so buried under depression and anxiety and, and pain. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the reason why I'm really narrowing down on this is because it's kind of the crux and I know it has been for me, the crux, it's like the wall and everyone's got their own little wall that they get to get over. And I know that this is applicable to probably a lot of people mm -hmm. that are listening to this. And if they're not listening, it's applicable to a lot of people and we all have our own thing, but that's why I'm really curious about that, that tipping point where things just became maybe easier. Would you say they became easier after you faced uh, those fears? Right. The, the more you put into practice, you know, setting those boundaries and really sticking to them and knowing what you will and won't put up with in terms of how you want to be treated, it's much easier to establish or just keep confronting the boundary. And then, you know, with the people that keep violating your boundaries, start to ask yourself, do I really need this person in my life? Wow. Uh, yes, it's heroic. It really is heroic. It's absolutely facing fear, in my opinion, facing our deepest fear. Mm -hmm. And and realizing that there uh, is nothing to be afraid of. The end of the day, right. except you maybe turning into the person that you always had the potential to be. Right. Did you, would you say you had a fear of success? The fear and see that would be like a masquerading thing. Like the fear of success is probably just the fear of you speaking your truth or you being mm -hmm. the person you want to be. Would you say that those kind of run in the same? Um, I guess they could, although I never really acknowledged or felt like I had a fear of success. Okay. Would you say you're more successful now? Yes. Okay. I would say the fear that came up was uh, fear of rejection. Now I had to come to terms with fear of rejection. So now that I'm being more true to myself and my own needs and my wants, what if the people in my life don't like that and they don't want me in their life anymore? And so that was a fear that I struggled to get through. And, and sometimes it still comes up. Yeah. Oh, I bet. 
No, I, I know that it's something that uh, I, you know, I continue to work on. What, uh, oh man, I was going to ask you something there. That's okay. Who is Josh CM? So on the TMS Wiki site, they have a bunch of success stories. And Josh CM um, was one of the success stories. He talked about um, it started out as like he thought it was hamstring pain. And then it went to sciatica. Um, and then I think his something happened like he and his girlfriend broke up and then it went down into both legs and he had this storm of mind body symptoms. And then he uh, found Dr. Sarno's work and was like, yes, this is absolutely what's going on with me. And he just took his life back. Um, and then he said about six months later, the same thing happened again, but in his, um, I think his right leg, like maybe it initially started in his left leg, but then it started in his right leg. Um, and he was scared at first and then uh, remembered all of the things that he had learned. And he said he laughed at it and went back to his life and it was gone within a few days. And so at the times when the symptoms were really bugging me, just having that story of someone who beat it and then it came back and then they laughed at it and it was gone again um it was just helpful to know somebody else had been there you know i might be in the middle of it but i'm gonna get to the other side of it just like they did mm, beautiful uh are you afraid of pain coming back or anxiety and depression no Why? not anymore i was you were yeah uh, yeah, so I had, interestingly enough, a couple weeks ago, I had some symptoms in my right, like, buttock and leg, um, very similar to um, how it all began on the left side. Um, and it just made me stop and think about, okay, what's going on right now that I've been avoiding how I feel about it, avoiding dealing with it? Oh, okay. I haven't dealt with the fact that, um, you know, I have something big coming up on the horizon. Um, and this pain is just here to help me get through it. It's here to give me something else to think about. So I just, <laughs> I had this little conversation with myself getting dressed one morning and I was just like, oh, I know why you're giving me this pain and I really appreciate it. But I know what's, I know what's bothering me now. I appreciate you trying to get me through these next couple of weeks by just giving me this little tweak over here. I think I'm good now, but thank you. Mm. And then it was gone. Mm. So whenever I do get something that comes up like that, or I feel overly anxious, um, I don't pay attention to the symptom anymore. I just take it as a cue to, I'm not taking care of myself in some way. Where am I neglecting myself? is there an issue going on that I'm not paying enough attention to um, or that I haven't really paid attention to how I feel about it. So, no, it doesn't scare me anymore. I know it's there as a cue to help me now. Wow. That's um, heroic again. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've learned, you've learned that pain is uh, 
pain, discomfort, anxiety, depression, old, uncomfortable feelings are a guide. Mm-hmm. Like you just said, so it uh, that's incredible. I'd say that's it's like turning uh, that's alchemy, right? That is alchemy. It's turning right. base metal into gold. Would you, yeah? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Tell me about, uh, tell me a little bit about um, neuroscience. What makes you interested in neuroscience? I think it explains a lot of this mind body stuff but it puts a science to it so that it's for some people that just makes it more easily digestible some people read uh, a mind body book and buy into it wholeheartedly i my mind had questions and i wanted more answers and i and but that doesn't make sense why would that be and um like i noticed that i would get really really anxious around meal times i just thought it was because i had issues with food but it's that so i do i did have issues with food but it's that coupled with yes while you're cooking food and while you're getting ready to eat a meal you do have a heightened sense of anxiety that's just natural it's like in the morning your cortisol levels are higher so that you'll wake up in the morning and so i used to have a lot of morning anxiety Till I learned that, you know, the cortisol level starts here and it drops off during the day. Oh, well, maybe that's why I feel a little more anxious in the morning than I do in the evening. That makes sense. And so I could let go of worrying about why am I anxious in the morning? Why do I get anxious around food? It just helped me let go of some of that anxiety. Um, The other part of neuroscience, um, part that I learned was that emotions the pain of emotions the like when you feel sad you you cry and all of that is also the same part of the brain that generates pain so the same part of the brain that generates your emotions and feelings is also the same part that generates pain and i found that very interesting and um, that that. helped me accept the mind-body explanation for pain also Wow, definitely. That is a very helpful fact. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's yep. very cool. Um, and exercise. It's something I love mm-hmm. to talk about. <laughs> exercise, I mean, it's always been so... I, I'm a personal... I'm a not a personal... I'm a certified personal trainer, but also a, okay. group, a group instructor. I love teach, instructing groups. That's one of the fun, funnest fun. things ever. Yes, it is a lot of fun. Um, one of the things about exercise, like for me, it just, I mean, for me, I just love moving my body. So when I move my body, I feel good, you know, I, I feel great, happy, gets me motivated, mm-hmm. this and that. So it was a big part of me getting better. It always has been, but, um, the question I have for you is, did you exercise to get out of pain or was it about something else? Um, initially yes i was doing all the the quote corrective exercise things um and then i learned it really wasn't about the corrective exercise it was just about finding movement that you enjoyed and that you liked and that you wanted to get back to doing um i had done dance 
growing up and I really liked to dance. So the first way I just started moving my body was to turn the radio on while I was cooking dinner. And if there was a time that I wasn't really doing anything with the food, I would turn the music up and I would dance for a few minutes and then go back to cooking. So yeah, my first foray back into movement was just to dance in my kitchen. <laughs> just enjoy using your body, expressing, mm -hmm. yeah, having fun for the sake of having fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big there's a difference there. It's subtle, but it's bit it's very big. Yeah. You know, for me, I was for the longest time, over a decade, I was working out to reduce pain. And if I mm -hmm. didn't work out, I was scared that it was going to be in pain. Mm -hmm. It's very different now to not be afraid of pain regardless of anything and right. And to just exercise or move my body because it's fun and I enjoy it. Yeah. My, uh, your mindset. What, what do you got to say about mindset? Mindset? Well, once you, or at least for me, once I changed the mindset of thinking there's something wrong with me that needs fixing versus there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing that needs fixing. I am who I am. That is like such a relief that you know there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. I don't have to fix anything. I'm fine the way I am. Um, so that's one big mindset uh, shift. And then with using your body, once you start to use your body and you find out that, wow, it's not breaking down. I'm actually feeling better. Um, hmm. Again, there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, and that changes your mindset. Like, that's my my Instagram mindset through movement. You know, if you want to be strong, do things that tell your brain that you're strong. You know, pick up heavy things if you can. Uh, move move things around. You know, do some squats, do some deadlifts, and then as you make progress in those things, like, oh, I really am strong. I really can do these things. I'm capable. I'm not broken. And that can shift into other parts of your life too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, I, I, I discovered the same thing. Um, tell me about your, is Dr. Andrew Rothschild? Rothschild? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was my physical therapist. Um, and he, like I said, he got me through that initial pain. But after I'd seen him for a year, and he was like, I'm going to present you with this biopsychosocial model of pain and, you know, hope that you accept what I'm trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. um, and so he really served as a good guide while I was trying to get myself through the physical symptoms because he never told me again after that initial pain. He never told me again that there was anything wrong with my body. He just kept telling me it's an overexcited nervous system, but you're okay. Just keep trying to move. There's nothing wrong with you. So um, just having that, that reassurance when I couldn't reassure myself was um, like priceless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds incredible. 
uh, you know, maybe not all physiotherapists have that point of view, that knowledge of. Right. Yeah. Um, geez, you know what? We've covered so much, so much <laughs> in such a short period of time. I'm actually really impressed. Okay. Um, is there, is there anything you'd like to say to, uh, somebody out there who's struggling with, um, let's say someone out there who's, who's got some really terrible sciatica, mm -hmm. um, someone who's in quite a bit of pain. They've just, you know, discovered this kind of work, stories of people getting better. Is there anything you'd have to say to those those folks? Yes, it gets better. Um, look into, of course, mind-body stuff, but also look into the science behind the mind-body stuff. Because that might help you accept it. It might help explain things to you better um, in a way where your subconscious can be like, okay, I can get on board with this. And then if you're still having problems navigating, there's nothing wrong with reaching out for help. There's nothing wrong with finding a, a good therapist. Um, I had a therapist who specialized in pain. Um, you know, I also reached out to life coaches like Ralph um, that helped me see maybe there were some emotions um, that I wasn't acknowledging in myself that I had problems with, um, that they could see, uh, Ralph pointed out that I had a problem with shame and feeling shame. Um, and I never acknowledged it until he was like, you have an issue with shame and guilt. And then I could see, oh, I get it now. I get where that comes from. Um, but yeah, it gets better. Just accept, accepting whatever happened to you in your life, accept that it happened and accept that maybe it created behaviors in you that um, aren't serving you anymore. And just try to, there's a quote from a book that I read uh, by Dr. David Hanscom. And he said, sit down and create a vision of the life that you want. And then go out and start living that life regardless of whether or not you have pain or symptoms and step into your new life what kind of life do you want reflect on that for however long it takes to reflect on that just give yourself time and then step into that new life and start living as if you have that life that you've envisioned for yourself and it gets way better as long as that's your focus and not your symptoms it gets way better yeah that's so that's so cool. We've just uh, interviewed. I interviewed um, Ralph a couple of podcasts mm -hmm. before this one, and he talked about that a lot. Uh, it's like working with periphery. So mm -hmm. you know, rather than focusing on the pain, <laughs> focusing on how horrible our lives are, mm -hmm. focus on what it is that we want out of life, and if that scares us then maybe there's an indication that there's something in our personality that maybe we could be more aware of and mm -hmm. start making some different choices. Right. Like what you did. Yes. 
Um, what scientific resources um, would did you read that you know can help the uh, you know folks who help to support the mind body work? Is there anything, any book in particular, or someone that um, you? There's a book called The Talent Code, and it has nothing to do with um, mind body anything. It's just how neural circuits are created in the brain to make really talented individuals. But that explains a lot of how neural circuits are created and how they fire um, even when you're not actually doing the activity. Like they took uh, really talented pianists and they put them in a, a room and told them to close their eyes. They had, um, they were in a functional MRI, sorry. And they told them to imagine playing a certain piece of music. Just imagine. They weren't doing anything. They're just imagining it. And as soon as they started imagining that they were playing this piece of music, those neurons in the brain that would tell the fingers to move a certain way started firing. And they were just laying still. Um, so I'm sorry, my dog is. <laughs> no, don't, don't ever <laughs> apologize for a dog, ever. We, yeah. we love dogs. I love doggies. So, yeah, she's good. <laughs> Um, so just imagining to me, you know, that, that helped a lot because I would like imagine jumping and not only would it terrify me, I would get this tingling sensation would shoot down my leg. I'm like, I didn't even jump. Why does that happen? And so that's a good explanation for how neural circuits are not only created, but how they can fire out of habituation. Um, and how they'll always be there, even if you're not engaging in the behavior anymore. So sometimes they'll fire, um, not, I don't want to say randomly, but sometimes they'll fire. You don't really know why, and you'll get that sensation, but it doesn't mean anything. Uh, so the talent code, I think his name is um, Daniel Conan Doyle. I think that's the author's name, but I'm not sure. Um, and the neuroscience podcast that has helped a lot is the Huberman Lab podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My girlfriend's obsessed with that podcast. Oh, it's so good. I still haven't checked it out. <laughs> oh, you haven't? It's not so yet. Good. I so so I uh, got so much stuff that I've been looking into. But yeah, he's uh, he's definitely on my radar, big time. Yeah, Seems so like good. A Except, cool guy. don't listen to his episode that he did on pain. It's I feel he could have been a little better researched on it. <laughs> mm. um, but Interesting. so if you're out there listening, you know, just avoid that episode. But the rest mm. of the episodes are really good. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Uh, great. Sonia, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I love talking to you. I really appreciate you, you being here. Um. I think, uh, yeah, I think what you've you've been through in your transition is, uh, it's just, I think it's so relatable, and um, I, I know that people will benefit uh, from hearing it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I wish you, uh, I wish you a great day. I'm going to stop the recording here. Uh, but okay. you can stay on if you like. Have a great day, everybody. Wish you all the best.
The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.